This is Wiffer Karen, and I love listening to Will Write for Wine. Oh, yeah. This is Wiffer Mac, and you are listening to Will Write for Wine. Hello, this is Wiffer Kim from Colorado, and you are listening to Will Write for Wine. Yay! Hi, this is Wiffer Lily, and I'm listening to Will Write for Wine. This is Wiffer Don, and you're listening to Will Write for Wine. Hello, this is Wiffer Melissa, and you're listening to Will Write for Wine. This is Wiffer Wayne, and you are listening to Will Write for Wine. This is Wiffer Ambroise, and you are listening to Will Write for Wine. Hi, this is Knocked Up Wiffer Susan, and you're listening to Will Write for Wine. Cheers! Hi, this is Wiffer Renee, and you've made the excellent choice of listening to my girls, Sam and Lonnie, on Will Write for Wine. Hi, this is Wiffer Pimp, my mixer Pam, and you are listening to Will Write for Wine. Take it away, girls. Thank, Thank you, Wiffers. <laughs> Welcome to Will Write for Wine, a podcast about wine, writing, and song. But mostly wine and writing. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> This is Lonnie Diane. And this is Samantha Graves. Yes, and tonight's show is the first part of a two-part show on GMC. Yes, and that would be goal and motivation for the uninitiated among you. And conflict. And conflict. But that's next week. That's next week. (laughs) (laughs) But that's all later in the podcast. Wine comes first. So, Lonnie, what are you drinking tonight? Well, tonight I'm drinking a 2006 Richland Chardonnay from Australia. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, it's uh, the wine notes from mywinesdirect.com because every my wines direct. I don't know if you have this problem, but like exists nowhere except mywinesdirect.com. Yes, I know. Like you can't find any of these um, bottles anywhere <laughs> but my wines direct. But they say it's a refreshing interplay of fruit aromas, pear, mango, white peach, and a dash of lemon with just a hint of vanilla and white chocolate from the wood. <laughs> white chocolate from the wood. How do you get white chocolate from the wood? I don't know. I mean, white chocolate from the hood, maybe? I, can, I don't know. It's, I, I, I don't know. I don't understand wine writing. I'm telling you. I never. There's always something that saddle leather. Always something throws me off. Um, it's full-bodied and firm, but carries itself gracefully. Oh, boy. What <laughs> the hell does that mean? I'm sorry, but let me just say, what the hell does that mean? What are these people on? I don't know. They've, you know, I think it's that they drink so much wine and then they have to write it. Yeah. You know, I just want somebody to say, okay, it's sort of sweet and it's sort of fruity. Right. And I mean, I guess they get you bored like it. after a while. Yeah. Because basically everything, you know, wine essentially is in two categories. Good, not good. <laughs> you know? I would be happy with that. Just a but good, they, I mean, not they good. Come up, and they come up with the pear, the mango, the white peach, a dash of lemon, and white chocolate from the woods. Let me, okay, let me just take a sip and see if I can taste any of that. Okay. Wait, ready? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, can't taste any of it. <laughs> it tastes, you know what it tastes like? It tastes like fermented grape juice, people, because that's what <laughs> wine is. I mean, occasionally, you know what, I'll grant them. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, you get kind of an apple-y taste, mm-hmm. especially in a Chardonnay. I can totally, I dig the apple. That's totally great. Okay, occasionally, you know, you get that oaky taste. Like, yeah. I understand the oak. I'm totally, I'm with you on the oak. I get it. Everything else, I have no <laughs> idea what the hell they're talking about. And you know what, I'm just going to come out on this episode after over a year of of talking this crap to you people. And I just, I don't, none of it, it's, none of it's true. It's either good or not good. Mm-hmm. Luckily, this one is very, very good. <laughs> it's okay. I'm gonna tell you my my notes. Yeah. It's a 
nice and dry, which I like. Chardonnay. It's got kind of the apple taste. It's not really oaky, so for people who don't like oak, I think this is a really, really good wine for you. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I give it four and a half stars. Ooh, good. You know, or not stars, glasses. Glasses, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway, it's uh, the website. The only website where you can find it is mywinesdirect.com, so go on there. It's uh, 14.5% alcohol, and it was a gift from my wonderful best friend in the whole world, Samantha Graves. <laughs> So I didn't look up how much it cost because that would be rude. But anyway, yes, it's it's really it's an excellent wine. It's really good. But this whole pear, mango, white peach, white chocolate, yeah, whatever from the wood, from the wood, <laughs> from one wood. What? What? <laughs> you know? Okay. Now, I'll, granted, maybe I have no palate. I will mm-hmm. completely. I will own up to that. Maybe I have no palate. But I'm telling you, I didn't taste any of that. Hmm. You know. Yeah. So so. But you know, I think. Now that we've discussed what I'm drinking tonight, I think maybe we need to talk a little bit about what you're drinking tonight. Yeah, well, as some of you may know, there was a challenge on the table that if the Whiffers could keep us in the top 10 on Podcast Alley for 24 hours, Mm -hmm. that I would drink a stout. Now, yes, yes, Lonnie drank wine from a box, but let me just say (laughs) that Lonnie chose her poison. Yes, but I did it for a whole month, and that was just for hitting yeah. the top ten for like three hours. Yeah, whatever. So. I didn't choose my poison. I hate stout. Who chose stout for you? I can't even remember. It was one of the whiffers, wasn't it? I think it was one of the guys. Probably. <laughs> stout is a guy drink. Yeah. But the whiffers launched a stealth operation with pinpoint oh, accuracy this month and I managed know. to I keep know. us at like number six for 24 hours despite all kinds of problems with uh-huh. podcast alley's website and people and couldn't voting their yeah. voting was yeah. off this month they fought off keith and his girl and some underwear show <laughs> to keep <laughs> us in the lead so oh 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 and let's just say uh-huh. as of this yeah. recording on april 4th yeah 2008 four days past the turn of the month we're still in the top 10 i can't we're we're like number eight we have i know 61 votes <laughs> we're like holy it kills crap me you know, it's, it's the same three people voting like at work and they're like emailing their aunts their- and uncles and everybody because you have you can only do it in one ip address so like i i just want to say for the record yeah that the Whiffers are the most dedicated fan base anywhere. in existence today anywhere. <laughs> I'm thinking they could probably just, you know, take over the world. The Whiffers world domination. can kick any ass they choose. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I sat back and watched this, and I was just amazed because we didn't really do anything. All of a sudden, it was the Whiffers just organizing <laughs> this whole thing. It was, I, I have to say... It was one of the coolest things that anyone has ever done for me. Oh, in me my too. Entire life. Absolutely. I mean, I've never been just like so impressed and like humbled, humbled and like and f- <laughs> and I mean, come on, for us, what do we do? We get drunk and we yell at each other once a week. I mean, <laughs> how does this inspire this kind of organization? It's just, it's amazing. Uh, and you know what? The Whiffers are just the coolest. There's just no are. other way to say it than that the Whiffers are the most amazing yep. group of people in the world. We love you guys. We do. <laughs> so let's and, go ahead and talk a little more about what you're drinking. Yeah. So because I am a woman of her word, 
I am tonight having a Guinness Draft Stout from Ireland. And I'm pretty I'm sure. I'm so happy right now. I'm pretty sure it's a 2008. Just a guess. <laughs> from the bottle. Okay, from right. the bottle. It says, here's something. That's the Rocket Widget delivering you the same great taste of Guinness Draft. I have no idea what this means. It's like a whole nother language. <laughs> you know, I could understand wine bottles better than this. There's some kind of secret code in here that I don't know. Just when you think that you're going to get something normal on a label. On a That's bottle. what it says. I'm like, what the hell? I think if anybody's going to be straightforward and be a beer drinker, they'd be like, hey, guess what? It's beer. Enjoy. You know, like. Yeah. Well, I don't know what the alcohol percentage is. It, it costs $8 for a six-pack, and it's got 10 carbs in a Ooh. bottle, so you guys are killing my low-carb diet here. <laughs> and as for my notes, let's just say we are going to be apologizing to the stout drinkers out there tonight. I mean, who came up with this? Who said, hey, you know, I want to drink me some brown beer? <laughs> Regular beer isn't no, brown and I want thick enough brown for me. Beer that tastes like it's flat and it's been scraped off the off the road and funneled into a bottle. I'm thinking they burn the beer and then somebody said, let's call it stout and sell it. And you know, I like beer. I love Labatt's, which I'm going to have immediately after this one bottle to try to just flush this out of my system. So if there are any whiffers out there who are thinking, Sam doesn't love me, just get over yourselves because I'm drinking stout. And let me tell you, it's days like these I wish I had a dog. So you could feed him the stout. <laughs> I'm, giving it a, I'm giving it a wine glass. I don't even oh. think we have an image for that. I don't even think we do. Oh my God, that's funny. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. But wait, 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 wait. Okay, you guys, I've been working on the podcast with her for like an hour, so we've been on the phone. Just take a drink, and then they'll hear oh, what you do okay. after you take Are a you drink. Are you ready? <laughs> <Yes>. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been working all night. <laughs> and every now and again, she goes, Ugh. and I'm like, oh, you just took a drink, did you? She's like, yeah. You can't get used to it. There's like, every time you drink it, it's the same horrible like oh. it's like it's like groundhog day it just happens oh. over and over again it's like flat beer <laughs> you know and w i've never oh, had a stout God. so i can't even say it's so I mean, bitter uh, it's so funny though because every time you take a sip you're like, <laughs> bad this is why i like oh. wine all right <laughs> We got that taken care of. Let's move on to. I'm I'm so amused, and I just love the whiffers. <laughs> I don't know what it is about you drinking the stout that is just me so amused. Uh huh. <laughs> and I'll remember this next time you do your challenge. Uh, I know. <laughs> hey, look, I drank booze from a box for a month, baby. Hey, I'm not crying you. in my glass for you. Yeah, but you are the one who started that. <laughs> yeah. Nobody asked me to do it. That's I was right. like, oh, I'll do it. Yeah. And by the way, there will be pictures you will see. Yes. Pictures of me drinking the Guinness. So Mr. Sam took pictures earlier. Yes. Because he, he said to me, you know, he says, uh, 
how are they going to know if you're drinking Guinness? And I said, right. the whiffers will know. They'll know. They'll know. They can tell so. by the disgusting sound Ugh. she makes. After... God, it's still like in my throat. <laughs> oh, man. All, All right. right. So... Oh, this week on the forums. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Go. Take it away, Mac. This week in the forums. Thanks, Thanks Mac. Mac. <laughs> this week on the forums, the hot topics were the podcast Alley Attack, Anti-Muses, Veil of Roses, Blogs for Murderous Types, and a poll on personality types versus uh, Pantser slash Plotter. Yeah, which is actually a really cool poll. Yeah, um, it really is. Yeah, especially since Lonnie is the only extrovert writer. <laughs> the only extrovert so far. The only one. There's like, there's like that hard 15 introverts and you. I know. And me. I'm the odd man out. I'm the one making all the other introverts talk. Like, hey, yeah. how you doing? What's up? Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, and we picked up like six more new members mm-hmm. to bring us up to 115 forum folks. So, oh, that's fabulous. Welcome to the Whiffies. That's a Whiffer newbie. The Whiffies. <laughs> the Whiffies or Whiffer newbies. Okay, whoever's doing the glossary, you're on. Go. <laughs> All right, now that we're done with the forums, it's my favorite thing about this podcast, mm-hmm. aside from the wine. Yeah. And on that note, well, let's go ahead and refill. <laughs> Except for Sam, who will not be refilling uh, this ever. <laughs> we'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Hello, this is Whiffer Pimp, my mixer Pam. We here at Will Write for Wine understand both the creative nature of people and the tempting yet tasty tannins of your favorite grape. So to underscore the need for drinking responsibly, here are a few examples of what inappropriate drinking is responsible for. New Coke, Milli Vanilli, Lefsa, Chewing Tobacco, Women's Fashions with Writing on the Ass, and Oprah's Book Club. However, a lovely Merlot or Chardonnay can be a very good thing. A glass of wine happens to be behind Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Hawaii, Variegated Yarn, Manicures, peanut butter and chocolate, Michael Buble, and most importantly, Lonnie and Sam at Will Write for Wine. So the next time you're enjoying a satisfying glass of wine, remember the consequences. We'll be glad you did. Thank you, Pimp, my mixer Pam. (laughs) I love the way she always says her name. It's Pimp. My mixer. <laughs> yeah, so she gave some perfect examples of why balance is important. Right. Not too much, not too little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. love it. Keep exactly. those PSAs coming, guys. We love them. Mm-hmm. You have no idea how much they make our entire day, so keep them coming. <laughs> and on that note, welcome back, everyone. This is Lonnie Diane Rich. And Samantha Graves. And this is Will Wright for Why. <laughs> Today's question comes from Karen in Connecticut. The question Yay, is... Karen. <laughs> Since you're both romance writers, what was your worst dating experience ever? Or if you'd rather not share those personal details, what is the worst dating experience you've ever heard of firsthand? Uh, Names may be changed to protect the innocent. Okay, well, I heard of this girl who brought her fiancé to her dad's water slide. And let me tell you, I'm not giving you any names. I have a feeling for her husband, that would be his answer to this question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My worst 
dating experience ever. Um, you know, and I have to say, this is a really bad date, but it was such mm-hmm. like the nicest guy on the planet. Like, you know, you know, those guys you date, they're just the nicest guys ever. Mm-hmm. And this guy was so sweet. And he was just, he was a great guy. And he took me to see the English patient. Oh, which, yeah. Which should give you an idea of how long it's been since I've dated. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> But he took me to see the English patient. We're sitting there, and I mean, it, the movie is just three hours of depression and pain, mm-hmm. ending with misery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by the end of the movie, <laughs> I was so depressed. <laughs> I mean, we just we come out walking out of the movie, and I'm like trudging my feet, and he's like, "You want to go to something?" And I'm like, "Oh no, <laughs> just can I go home?" You know. <laughs> horrible and I, I was so horribly depressed by that movie and you know Colin Firth is in this movie this mm-hmm. was before my big Colin Firth obsession so I didn't oh, realize it yeah but you know I, I watched it again a couple of years ago <laughs> because I heard Colin Firth is I was like oh he's in it you know and um, it was still just horrible oh, yeah. I mean it's you know it's a good movie like it's mm-hmm. a well-told story right but it's horrible like I like I like happy this is why I like happy endings <laughs> It was just so depressing, and the whole night I just could not get out of the funk that mm. I was in because that movie. I was in a really good mood before we went to the movie too. <laughs> the poor guy was like, oh, "It's eighteen dollars, pissed away." You know? <laughs> but that was my worst dating experience. Which okay. Actually, probably in the great grand scheme of things, is not so bad. <laughs> well, I read this question. And I'm like, uh-huh. God, I can't remember that far back. <laughs> Well, right, because you guys are coming like up on twenty years. Like 19 years, right? Yeah, and then we dated oh. for like a year before that, you know. So it's oh, been like really, years seriously, who I can dated. remember back that far? I know. <laughs> God, but I do remember there was this one guy I dated who had a motorcycle, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Except when I got on the back and he decided to pop a wheelie <gasps> with me on the back. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I just basically got <laughs> off the bike and said bye. <gasps> yeah. And then oh there was God. a guy who drove uh-huh. 120 miles an hour, and I'm not even uh-huh. kidding, down a country road with me in the passenger side. Oh he my thought God. that was going to be fun. <laughs> I would be impressed or something. And then there was a guy who sideswiped oh, a whole... <laughs> Another guy who sideswiped a whole bunch of those those metal reflector things on the <gasps> side of the road at, at a sharp curve. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, with me in the passenger seat. So oh I'm trying God. to figure out what this says about me. I, I don't think you know. Have a sense of adventure. None of the guys I dated. <laughs> really? I don't even think they. I don't think they drove. I don't. Uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! All my I'm boyfriends sure were always like they're really. I was always. I'm always into the beta guys. I love the uh-huh. like. Obviously, my worst dating experience is always oh, took me to the English patient. You're like he almost killed me. <laughs> Three people. I almost died. You know. I think that we have the extremes of dating experience. But then you ended up marrying a very nice guy. Yeah. Yep. I don't think yep. that Mr. Sam would ever do any of those things. Oh, no. He's very, no. very careful and mm-hmm. reasonable and responsible. He's a good yes. man. Yep. yep. <laughs> right. Of course. Look what I I'm comparing say. him to. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> this makes me look really boring. Thanks for the question, Karen. <laughs> to get your questions on the show, email us at feedback at willwriteforwine.com or leave them on the forums. And we love MP3 questions, so be sure to send those in, too. Right. And now it's time for Writing Lessons Learned. Every week, we'll share what we learned that week about writing. So, Lonnie, what did you learn this week? 
<laughs> well, I'll tell you. <laughs> this week I learned that good writing is good writing and it's timeless. Mm. You know, um, I started watching Hulu.com. Have you guys been on Hulu.com? It's basically got a whole bunch of movies and TV shows and everything that stream on the internet. And it's okay because the writers are getting paid now. So it's all right. Oh, good. Um, so <laughs> anyway, they have a lot of old shows on there. So for fun, I tried out Mary Tyler Moore, which actually oh, I love premiered. that show. It premiered the year that I was born. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I take that I back. Looking, I was like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> And you know what? It made me laugh. I mean, it really mm-hmm. did. Like, I really actually enjoyed oh. watching them. You look at these old shows and you think, oh, they're old. They're, you know, they're not relevant anymore and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, what makes it – I was thinking about, you know, what makes it timeless. And the reality is that while the situations are current with the period, the stuff that's genuinely funny relates to human nature, and that is always relevant. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a neat little lesson. I mean, I yeah. love I love Mary. You know, she's a little bit, um, you know, like – Little Miss perfect, perfect yeah. white bread, but you yeah. know, I mean, aside from that, like I just, I love, I love Murray. Yeah, I love Rhoda. I love Murray. I love Rhoda. <laughs> I love Mr. Grant. Mr. I Grant. love Ed Asner and that. So I mean, like actually, Mary, I like her, but I mean, it's the supporting people around oh, yeah. her who, are, who like so much more imperfect than her. Mm-hmm. That I just absolutely adore. So I'm having a lot of fun watching that now. I'm kind of catching up on the whole thing. So. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. How about you? Well, I tried pantsing it in Nano. Remember. <laughs> And I even yeah. said on the podcast last week that sometimes you just have to write. Right. Well, I lied. I can't write without a plot. I can't write without knowing my uh-huh. villain. I can't write without knowing my characters inside and out. Mm-hmm. I can't change my process as much as it drives me crazy. And I detest how long it takes. <laughs> Any more than I can change my INFJ personality type. Which I took that damn test again and came uh-huh. up with the same stupid personality type. Well, that's, it's just who you are, baby. I know, but it's been a year. There's I thought, well, maybe. You thought you changed a lot. In you a thought year. I'd had any kind of effect on you? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> nope. You're going to have to keep trying. Oh, so man. basically, once a plotter, always a plotter. And after 10 years of writing, you'd think I would know this by now. <laughs> but, you know, okay, that, though, is an extremely valuable lesson for you yes. to learn. Because you know what you did? You kissed a frog. Mm-hmm. And I say this a thousand times, but I think in your process, you need to kiss all the frogs and find out what works for you. And I mean, mm-hmm. the thing is that sometimes something is not going to work for you and that's fine. Now, you know, yeah. now, you know, that pantsing is not your thing. And that's, right. you know, that's totally cool. And that's totally fine. I mean, for me, I think I can pants because as long as I have my character, you know, like I have this one book I'm working on now that I've had the same character and I've put her in like a thousand different situations. It's like a paper doll. I just put mm-hmm. different things on her different setting. You know? <laughs> but it's always the character that's the same. And Chrissy um, Ann Stewart, who I was working with on Dogs and Goddesses, was talking to me about it. And, um, you know, and she was like, God, you know, she goes, this character, you got her in all these situations. It doesn't even feel like the same book. And I'm like, oh, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same book it's just the character that's the same and she's like okay because she's more like you like she has the mm-hmm. situation and the circumstances and the plot and everything and she kind of builds it from that so everybody sort of has their own but she pantses it though hmm. she she builds from plot but she pantses from plot Huh. You know, which is kind of interesting because she builds from circumstance and situation and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, and so, you know, I find that really interesting, especially because, you know, I kissed all the different frogs. And so I found out that turning points, well, I can't plot out. If I write down at the beginning, you know, every scene, the way it's going to happen and in what order and all that kind of thing, I never stick to it. Mm. Never stick to it. I have to actually write the scene in order to know what's going to happen. But, you know, I can do the turning points. 
Mm. So, okay. you know, I mean, there are things that you can do that will um, that will make that work for you. So. Right. Cool. Um, but uh, but anyway, I don't know. I think that that's that's a good thing that you did that. I think mm-hmm. that's really cool. So, yeah. all, right, all right. Well, that wraps up this blog. I'm going to go answer my phone. <laughs> you guys don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, whose phone is that? <laughs> a sexy international art thief with a license to steal and a past she can't escape. An ex-cop with a murder to avenge and nothing left to lose. Calculating Killer launches a deadly game. From the heat of Havana to the streets of New York City, the race for justice is on. Sight unseen by Samantha Graves, now available at a store near you. Thanks for coming back with us. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. <laughs> and I'm Samantha Graves. <laughs> this is all right for one. You know what's really funny? Is on the on the Wiffer forum. Somebody said, "Oh, we'd love a blooper reel," and I'm like, "The oh, show is man. the blooper." Reel. It is. <laughs> Jeez, we've already started this once, twice. I know. Twice. Like the second this time. Third time. And we're probably gonna have to start it again. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Tonight is part one of our discussion of goal, motivation, and conflict, and we're gonna start with goal and motivation. Right. If your character doesn't want something and have a believable reason to go for it. Chances are your reader is going to throw that book against the wall. And I have actually done that. <laughs> yes. You know, literally. Literally. I have literally uh, thrown a book against the wall and left wow. it there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I haven't literally done that. I have put it down, which is what I say thrown against the wall is. No, I literally, and I left it there. Yeah. And the only reason I picked it up is because I had to bring it back to the library. <laughs> which wow. I'm sure they were really happy to know that their book got thrown wow. against the wall. Seriously. So, mm-hmm. Wow, you must have really hated that book. I really did. I'm not going to tell you which one it was either. <laughs> Maybe after the podcast I'll get you to tell me privately. Anyway, <laughs> no one wants that, No, let me tell you. So let's get started on goal and motivation. Let's start with goal. Mm-hmm. All right. So no. goals, why, are they, why is having a goal so important? Uh... <laughs> We didn't script this part. It's uh, going really well uh, so far, isn't it? Go ahead, you go. <laughs> what you want me to say? Why well, okay, let's so let's tell them what happened today. What happened? A lot of emails me. She goes, "Oh, I thought you had a workshop oh. on goal motivation and conflict." <laughs> and I emailed back. I'm like, "No, I thought you had the workshop I, on goal no, motivation." I can swear you had one. No. I can swear you had one. Neither one of us has a workshop on goal motivation and conflict, so we're winging it. <laughs> So, I'll right. tell you it's, why having a goal is so important. Yeah, because if, if you don't, then you don't have a story. Yes. Basically. Because if you're, okay, mm-hmm. you know what? What's more boring <laughs> than hanging out with somebody in a book that doesn't want anything? Ugh. You know, that's just kind of sitting there. And, did you just have, are you saying, ugh, to the not want anything? No, or did you sip the stout? took some stout. God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Every time she says, Ugh, everybody drink. Um, <laughs> I can't concentrate. Okay. This is just going to be a bad show, people. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's just going to be bad. All right. So anyway, nothing is more boring than sitting around <laughs> with a book with somebody, with a character, with a protagonist who doesn't actively want something. Yeah. Um, and that is actually, I think the 
the big way that you get somebody, you get the reader to identify with your character because everybody's had the experience of wanting something and then you have to go and actively pursue it mm -hmm. and get it. Um, and so I think that that's a pretty much universal um, experience and it's something that everybody, you know, you can root for somebody. If they're, if they're actively, you know, going after something, you can root for them and you can get emotionally involved in the story. But I mean, there's nothing more boring than somebody like, hey, you know, she woke up, she had some coffee, she went to work, she yeah. did her work, she came home. And nothing yeah. happens, you know. That's not going to be a bestseller. So, right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that's the whole thing, the whole thing about goal, that it's really important that your character have a goal. And I think that most people, you know, when they write, they, they do come up with a goal. They do come mm -hmm. up with something that the character wants. But um, but a lot of times I think where the struggle is is between positive goals and negative goals. So right. why don't we talk about that a little bit. All right. We have positive goals versus negative goals. Now, a positive goal would be I want this. When the character has a clear mission to make something happen. Mm -hmm. And those are the easiest goals to write. Right, exactly. Right. Now, mm -hmm. a negative goal is, I don't want this. Uh -huh. That's when someone is trying to prevent something from happening. You know, those those types of goals can work, but they often mm -hmm. fall flatter. They're not very meaty. They're not, you know, they're, they're generally a lot weaker. You know, you view them they as are, perhaps being weaker. To They're pull off successfully, right? I think that I think that that's the really hard part of it is that, you know, when you've got a, a character who doesn't want something to happen, well, then how do they act on that? Like, right. You know, I mean, it's hard to give them an action for that they don't mm -hmm. want anything to change. So you know, right. um, so I think it's it's just really really hard to write. And a lot of times, I think when you find yourself um, struggling with a character, and I, you know, I've done this a lot, especially mm -hmm. because you know, in in the early days of my writing, I didn't know enough. You know, I didn't, you said positive, negative goal. I'd be like, yeah, huh? What's that? You know, I had no idea. So, you know, I'd start writing. I'd have a character who's kind of, what you find when you have a character with a negative goal is that they're really rea reacting to what other people are doing. Right. You know, they're, they're kind of, things are happening to them. They're sort of the victim. They're sort of, and I think right. this happens a lot. And I think a lot of times you'll notice this, especially if you're a pantser like me, you start writing a character and you just sort of, you know, throw it off the top of your head. And my problem was that I would, I would have my characters reacting a lot, mm -hmm. like things would be happening to them and it would be somebody else. And then you end up, it's the villain that's taking the action. And then the villain becomes more interesting because the villain has a solid goal yeah. and you know what it is and you know what they want to, you know, what they want. And it's very, very clear. And then you've got you know kind of a wishy-washy protagonist who you know kind of just wants things to stay the same mm -hmm. you know I think if you have a character who is actively unhappy or uncomfortable in their current situation so that they need to make a change they need to pursue something you know that essentially what you've got is just a much more interesting character an easier character to write an easier oh, character absolutely. for your reader to root for mm -hmm. you know I mean so I think that that's essentially where your positive and negative goals come into play and the thing is that it's it's very it's very hard like a lot of times you kind of default to a negative goal in the beginning right. i don't know that you do because you you, you write so much action <laughs> but uh, but, but i for will people have... like me normal ordinary human writers <laughs> <laughs> we struggle with this right you know? <laughs> it's it's very hard it, and it it, it actually mm -hmm. is so much easier to have them react Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're writing certain types of stories, right. but generally in a romantic suspense, they're acting because they have to. So I, in an action, so I, yeah, because somebody's yeah. going to kill them. Right. So I <laughs> generally have very love, right. strong motivations in my book. So, right. Well, cause goals says. and motivation, I mean, that's why we're putting goal and motivation yes. in 
one week because they are they're so interlinked because mm-hmm. your goal is basically feeding off of your motivation right and I mean you can start a story where somebody may have a goal mm-hmm. you know like um okay look let's look at Romancing the Stone okay all right because we talked about Romancing the Stone you mm-hmm. know with um Joan Wilde oh yeah um <laughs> and um so anyway you've got um you got Kathleen Turner as Joan Wilder she's got her sister her sister's you know off in Columbia somewhere and her husband is being mailed back in pieces <laughs> you know and her sister you know she's obviously very concerned about her sister yeah you know, and she's worried about her, but she's not about to go off to Columbia. But then, you know, she, so she has, like, the goal is kind of there. She wants to change her life, too. Her life is kind of boring and staid, and she's not really getting anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. But um, but also, it's, you know, that she's got this, her sister's in trouble, you know, and she knows that her sister's kind of in a bad place, but, you know, she'll get by. She always does okay. Elaine's okay, you know. But then when she gets the phone call that her sister's been kidnapped, that's her motivation. Right. So, you know, her goal to save her is then to save her sister. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas before, her sister's situation was something that bothered her. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. My goal at the moment is to get light out of my room because she's coming in and screaming at me in the middle of the podcast. Okay, sorry about that. I had to cut because one of my kids came in and interrupted <laughs> us. So anyway, we were talking about talking about goal and motivation, right? Right. Um, and um, you know about how her how um, Kathleen Turner's motivation in *Romancing the Stone* was then is t- her goal was tied to the motivation. The motivation was to save her sister, and her goal was to save her right. sister because sister's in trouble. She didn't want her sister to right. die. So, um, so that's a motivation, especially if you've got anybody in kind of a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. You know, like a literal life or death situation, yes. then your motivation is just so easy. It is. And it makes the book, you know, so incredibly easy to write. So, yeah. Well, I don't know if any book is ever easy well, to write. Well, you know what I mean? I think they all take a piece of your soul and stomp <laughs> it out. But... but I mean, if you have a strong goal, uh-huh. a powerful goal, and a strong motivation for that powerful goal, right. then it mm-hmm. just seems to, the structure seems to fall in place a lot easier. The structure, it, exactly, will definitely yes. fall into place mm-hmm. for that. And it's going to, you know, but the thing is, is that not, uh, you're not always going to have, you know, hi, I'm going to kill your sister. Right. You know, you're not always going to have Danny DeVito mm-hmm. calling you. Right. You know, there are some stories where, you know, like women's fiction, right. the women's fiction that I write, the, the motivations and the goals are never really quite that, mm-hmm. that strong and that concrete. And in a situation like that, I mean, you have to think about, um, you know, what it is that your character is trying to do that's going to um, to get them to where they need to mm-hmm. go, you know, for the story. Right. Like what it is that they want that they want bad enough, mm-hmm. you know, that it's that it's going to it's going to motivate them to do all the things. Because basically your entire book is all about, you know, the conflict, which we're going to get to. Right. But I mean that your entire book is about them, um, you know, coming up against obstacles mm-hmm. and, well, you know, being forced. To yeah. Change. I mean, the, it's so easy once you actually figure out the goal and you have a strong motivation Mm -hmm. to go with it it's so Mm -hmm. easy to come up with a conflict i mean the conflict nine times Mm -hmm. out of ten will just like totally come to you you just basically Mm -hmm. you know block um their their goals you know Mm -hmm. in a way that that forces them forces the character to change so right Exactly, because nobody's going to change. Right. Nobody's going to change and grow unless they have absolutely no mm-hmm. choice. So essentially what you need to do is you need to push your character into a corner. Right. 
you know, and how you do that, I mean, depends upon what kind of story you're telling. Mm-hmm. I think if you're telling, uh, you know, romantic suspense or something where you got, you know, you got life or death and you, you can always use right. that. Somebody pulls out a gun. You know, your thing. If things get boring, somebody <laughs> dies. <laughs> you know. Um, and, and so there are ways to do that. But you basically what you need to do is you need to balance your motivation with the yes. goal so that your motivation can um, believably keep your character you know, going, because mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many times where, you know, you'll read a book and you're reading along and this character does something and you're like, why in the world would she mm-hmm. do that? One of the biggest problems I think that happens with motivation is that you have a story mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, I need my character to adopt a rhinoceros, <laughs> you know, like for some reason you need a character to adopt a rhinoceros for whatever reason, because that's part of your story. You know, that's part of your story, but you've no idea how to motivate right. it. So then all of a sudden you have your character adopting a rhinoceros for no really good reason. <laughs> right. Like, no reason why she would tear up her entire backyard and put in a rhinoceros pin. Right. You know. And they're so tied um, together. They really are. And and really, yeah. if you can get those two and really nail them down, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's such a huge part of of your plot. You've already it is. got I those mean, huge essentially, pieces yeah. in there. So. It's the, it's the heart mm-hmm. of it, is that you've really, you've got to motivate everything that your character does, that it has to be believable. A lot of times people will have a character doing something because it feeds the plot. Right. But they don't motivate the character mm-hmm. to do that. That happens a lot of you times know. with villains, too. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. The villains that just simply exist to twirl the mustache. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here. I'm twirling my mustache. <laughs> you will die. You know, and there's never, you know, like the thing is that, and, and here's the thing, and it was on the board this week. Somebody, I, you know, forgive me. I can't remember who put it up, but that everyone is the star of their own story. So that the villain is actually the protagonist of his own story in his own mind. And so you have to know, you for every character that you have, you have to look at it from their point of mm-hmm. view. Like Polly, mm-hmm. you know, in your books, Inside Unseen and Out of Time is the protagonist of his story. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's the protagonist of my story, too, in my head, because I love Polly. But, you know, I mean, here he is, this, like, you know, pencil neck geek type guy who's playing this secondary role in, you know, in the stories. But, you know, for him, when he's there, like, when that character comes in, you can't have a character that's simply, you know, a secondary character that just lives to serve mm-hmm. the main character. Yeah. You know, like, you have the best friend. Yeah who never has any interest in her own life. She's just always like, so you like this guy. I can tell you like him by the way that you look at him. So, and they're just completely obsessed with their, you know, whereas a secondary character has to be obsessed with their own life. Like people are just generally, I mean, I'm always interested in what's going on with Mm -hmm. you. You know, I mean, because you're my best mm-hmm. friend, you know, so I will be, you know, for a certain amount yeah. interested in what's going on with you. But at a certain point in the conversation, we'll be like, so now me, you know, because that's how everything like, you know, so every character is going to have a so now uh-huh. me moment, you know. And the thing is that you can still use those moments to, you know, to uh, clarify your protagonist and to move your ca- protagonist story along. Mm-hmm. But you always have to realize that every character in your book has to have some kind of motivation for whatever it is that they're doing. Some kind of it has to be a believable thing that they're, you know, asking all these questions about, right. you know, the girlfriend's love life or whatever. Because there's always those conversations, yeah. like, you know. And the thing that drives me crazy is I've seen this and I actually edited a movie like this. It was a, a <laughs> independent film that some student had done at UVA in Tucson, and he was like, you know, where these guys sit around talking about their feelings, and the guy's best friend is like asking him questions about how he feels about this girl, and I'm like oh god it's bad enough when you have girls doing that guys don't they're like did you do it yeah okay that's the end of the conversation so 
I mean, it's things like that. Like, even, not even on the big grand scheme of just your protagonist and the life or death situation, whatever, but that every character, like, you know, okay, let's go back to Romance and Stone, Mm -hmm. because it's a really, really great movie. You know, you've got Jack Colton, right? He's the hero. He comes in, and what is he concerned about? He's concerned about his births, you know? Because instead of being like, I am the hero, and I shall save you, because you are a damsel in distress. Look at my cleft chin, you know? He's he's coming in (laughs) after his birds, because he's got birds that are a lot of money, you know? And so, I mean, when you think about every single character, not just your protagonist, but you have to think about what they want and what's motivating them to go after what they want. Right. You know, so I mean, it's for Mm -hmm. every character in the book, not just your protagonist. So we're talking about positive goals. And so we, Mm -hmm. so I kind of went through a few movies to try to figure out, you know, what were some examples of positive goals. So you've got Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones, who goes after ancient artifacts. Um, Right. You've got uh, Luke in Star Wars, who wants to defeat the Empire, because they've taken away everything Mm -hmm. that belongs to him. Um, But that's motivation. Okay, so we're just doing goals. Okay princess right the goal is to so for luke the goal is to bring down the yes. empire yes you know which is tied to his mm-hmm. motivation the princess mm-hmm. bride wesley uh needs to save buttercup right in mm-hmm. moonstruck loretta is uh needs to get her future brother-in-law to come to the wedding mm-hmm. in spider-man and x-men you have the same type of thing where it's to stop evil right. um mm-hmm. finding nemo obviously to mm-hmm. find nemo to find Nemo. <laughs> See, there it is. It's right, right in the title. The title. Uh, <laughs> There's yeah. the goal. Uh, Lord, uh, Lord of the Rings, Frodo mm-hmm. needs to get rid of the ring. Mm-hmm. And in Shrek, he um, he wants to get rid of the fairy tale creatures in his swamp. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that, I think that works okay for him. Now, yeah, because that's his ultimate goal. Right. And then he's got a medium goal. In order to get rid of the fairy mm-hmm. tales creatures in his swamp, he has to go and right. save the princess. Now, we've got so. some mm-hmm. negative goal examples for you. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. also Princess Bride, Buttercup's goal is to avoid marrying Humperdinck. Right. Well, Buttercup never really has. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's the thing about right. Buttercup. I got, it. I got issues yeah. with Buttercup because she never has any goals. She never, she's just kind she's of a loser. There. Yeah. You know? She's just mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. In, but she's also a secondary character. I mean, wouldn't you right. say that she's secondary to Wesley, that I Wesley's think so. the main protagonist? Right. Right. So I think when you got a secondary character, you know, you need to be – a secondary character, I think, can have a negative right. goal. Right, And I think you find a that book. a lot of times in a book where you have the protagonist, the main protagonist, who has a very strong goal right. motivation. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the secondary protagonist, if you will, um, mm-hmm. has sometimes has a negative goal. And mm-hmm. it's just because the first one is so overpowering that I think somehow... And it can still work because your first one carries the right, story. Right, right. You know, because basically it's all about getting the um, the reader, the viewer, the audience involved, emotionally involved in the story. Right. And once you've got that, your secondary characters can... As long as they're the star of their own mm-hmm. story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't violate that. But they can have a negative goal, and it's not as hard to write right. around. Now, so. in Moonstruck, mm-hmm. Ronnie's negative goal is to not mm-hmm. allow uh, Loretta to marry his brother right and in Mm -hmm. finding nemo nemo's goal is to not get taken by darla right the Mm -hmm. little evil girl Mm -hmm. there okay (laughs) (laughs) and then we have other other movies that kind of defy um types of yeah we were talking about Uh forrest gump 
Yeah, which is, because he doesn't really have a clear goal. Forrest Gump, actually, things happen to him. He's a very reactive type right. of character. Right. Very rarely does he actually initiate any of the things that happen. Initiate anything. Right. Exactly. Like, his, it's just, and it's also, you know, an epic story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes from, like, you know, most stories are, like, a, a time-limited period. It's, like, three weeks in somebody's life or a couple of days in somebody's life or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, this for Forrest Gump is his entire mm-hmm. life. You know, it goes through his entire life. And things do. They happen to him. He reacts. He doesn't really have a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the thing that we were talking about before, and this is kind of a question that I came up with, but I'm not really sure what the answer is, is that, you know, okay, so let's let's break it down. The purpose of the goal mm-hmm. is, I think, although I'm not entirely sure, because, again, this is a workshop that either one of us <laughs> did, so we're winging it. Um, I think the purpose of the goal is so that you have something that the audience, the reader, has something that they can root for. Mm-hmm. You know, that if you want something and you're trying to get it and there's conflict, there's something stopping you from getting it and you're very motivated to get it, people can um, can understand mm-hmm. that and they can root for that. And that's that's a way of getting them involved in your characters and in your story. Now, with Forrest Gump, he doesn't have any of that, but he's such a, like, tragic underdog. Right. You know, I mean, like, he's just never, like, this is a guy who's he's in love with this, this girl. Mm-hmm. From his childhood, you mm-hmm. know, through his into- his whole life, he's in love with Jenny. And um, and then, but he's just, it's never, you know, it's never going to, like, he's just so, he's such an underdog. Mm-hmm. He has no chance of any of these things working out for him. And yet he just sort of stumbles along right. and everything sort of works out mm-hmm. for him, you know. So, I mean, do you think that that is maybe not, it's not a goal, but it's a substitute for the purpose that the goal serves? Perhaps what I do think, you think I think there was one thing that he did in that movie mm-hmm. that was something that he actually um, came from nowhere and actually actually he initiated, uh-huh. and that was when he had Jenny's old house bulldozed to the ground. Uh huh. Now I don't know if you remember that it was after she died. It was right at the end of the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um. And I thought that was really interesting, but the rest of the mm-hmm. time in that book, he really is just kind of sitting, waiting for a bus. Right. I mean, r- literally, his whole life is sitting there sitting, waiting for a bus. Waiting for a bus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, it it worked. Yeah, I mean, it was a fascinating, I mean, it was a very and successful I, yeah, storytelling. I mean, it was it, it was, was a very engaging. good. I cried at the end of it. I, I know. So the whole purpose. Okay, so let's see. The whole purpose. Well, you know, and it all storytelling is to get people engaged in your storytelling. Mm-hmm. And that's what the goal and the motivation, all that stuff does. Right. So if you can get people engaged in the story without those things, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that it can be done. It's just a lot harder. Right. Yeah. Okay, so another epic movie, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't really have this, um, you know, a really strong singular goal is Gone with the Wind. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think? Why do you think that works? Uh, well, it's been a long time since I've seen it, mm-hmm. but I remember uh, watching it. I I liked the characters. I mm-hmm. liked the conflict between them, but mm-hmm. I also liked um, the time era was very mm-hmm. interesting to me. Yes. I don't remember ever seeing mm-hmm. a movie done in that time period. Right. So, mm-hmm. but uh, I can't remember too many more of that. <laughs> too, <laughs> too much more of it. <laughs> well, um, I mean, the thing that I think is is really interesting about Gone with the Wind is that it, it covers a long, you know, span. You know, like I don't know, twenty years or 
I no, I guess it couldn't have been that long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a few years, though. It was over the... Yeah. Like, no, it wasn't quite that long. But it was very epic. You know, it, was, it definitely took over, like, five years. It was Civil War. It was Atlanta burning, all this kind of stuff. But, you know, it follows Scarlett O'Hara, who is not a terribly likable, I think, um, character. Mm-hmm. You know, she's very conniving. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's deceitful, and she does whatever she has to do, you know? Yeah. But... At the same time, you've got another character who is essentially at at a big disadvantage because she's a woman. Right. You know, trying to make things happen in a time period where women weren't really given much power. Right. You know. And um, so, you know, I mean, but the thing is that she has all these different... different goals throughout the entire story. Right. Like it starts out, you know, she's just this young girl and she's in love with Ashley Wilkes and that's her entire life. And she just wants that man, you know, and then the, um, you know, the war happens and then there's, you know, Rhett Butler, who of course is this, um, this guy that she doesn't even want in the beginning. And, um, and, you know, I mean, it just kind of goes through all these different things that she wants until at the end, you know, she she has very clear goals. They just keep changing throughout the whole thing. And at the end, she wants to save Tara, which mm. is the, you know, sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> Atlanta burns. <laughs> sorry. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, she just goes through all these uh, different phases of her life. But she, but the thing about Scarlett O'Hara is that she always has a goal. I mean, this yeah. is, this is a woman who never has something she's not trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe, you know, I mean, I think for most stories, you, you know, you like to have one basic goal right. throughout the whole thing that kind of ties it all together. But for her, I mean, she's got the Forrest Gump thing in that she's essentially an underdog, mm-hmm. you know, that she's she's starting at a disadvantage. And I think that people can generally, you know, identify with that. Right. But then she's got so many, you know, plus Ashley, I think, was like, I don't know if he was married in the beginning when she first fell in love with him, but he was definitely married later. You know? <laughs> and she's still in love with Ashley. No, right. It was always kind of, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> not, not really. Not really. I was all for Rhett. Yeah. <laughs> I was all about Clark Gable. Mm-hmm. The Ashley Wilkes guy's like, oh, you know, let, let what's her face happen? <laughs> <laughs> Melanie, what's her face? Let yeah. her happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think that that is kind of, um, you know, that those are examples of stories where the, the goal maybe isn't the primary force that engages the, the reader or the viewer with the story. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. All right. So we're going to talk about goals being life and death. All right. Which are, mm-hmm. I think, the easiest ones to write. Because that's a pretty <laughs> darn good motivation. Um, right. You know, if you've got if you've got somebody dying, yeah. you know, or there's the threat of somebody dying, yeah. if it's literally life and death, mm-hmm. I think that that, um, I, actually life and death being the motivation that you're trying to right. you know, preserve life. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Not so. going mm-hmm. for the death. Right. Okay. Right. Generally. So, but mm-hmm. even if it's not literally life and death, the goal has to be seriously important to the character. Yeah, it really does. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to be, you know, as important to, as life and death. as important. It has yeah. to be, it has to be essentially, you know, a metaphor, at least for life and death, mm-hmm. for this character that, that, I mean, when you, when you talk about death, if let's, you know, if we want to talk about death in an abstract way is that you know death is essentially a huge you know transition where everything you have everything that matters to you you know can can be destroyed right so that your your entire way of life everything that you've worked for everything you know these are all sort of you know life and death uh, kind of um, amalgams Mm -hmm. so like there's one book which i love and if you have if you guys haven't read it yet it's just hilarious called sheila levine is dead and living in new york by gail (laughs) perrin and it is (laughs) 
it takes place in the 70s so it's an entirely different like cultural you know thing um but uh but it's about this girl, this Jewish girl, who's in her, I think, mid-20s at the time. Of the things, and she hasn't gotten married yet. And it's just like <laughs> the biggest tragedy. And so because she doesn't think she's ever going to be able to get married and it's ever going to happen for her, she decides that she's going to kill herself. So she gives herself a year to plan her own death. <laughs> oh, and so her goal throughout yeah. the whole book is to kill herself. And she's just working up towards that goal. And, um, you know, and the things that happen once she gives up on all uh, on this idea like her her whole entire identity was i have to get married i have to get married i have to get married and then she's like okay if i'm not gonna get married i'm just gonna die <laughs> you know Jeez. it is such a great book mm. i mean i you know it's one of those books i just through the whole thing i was like just die and laugh and i mean it sounds really cold to mm-hmm. be like oh this poor girl couldn't get married she's gonna kill herself <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it is, it's just, it's so funny the way that, that Gail writes that story mm-hmm. and she just does such a fabulous job with it. So, I mean, there's a situation where it is kind of, you know, it's like getting married, but I'm never going to get married. So I'm just going to kill myself. And that's like a life and death, obviously sure. literally a life and death thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. it was, it was really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the, the ones that are much more clear, like born identity mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it literally is life and death or, mm-hmm. um, Lord of the Rings, which is worse than death because you have right. the orcs. <laughs> right. Well, because you have evil over the land. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, in Lord of the Rings, the, the goal is to save the Shire. Right. Because the Shire represents everything that is good and wholesome mm-hmm. and worth living for. Right. You know, but then, you know, even if you do survive, you know, Mordor taking over the land, it's going to be dark and evil and, mm-hmm. you know, who wants to live with that? Right. So, I mean, I think that in, in Lord of the Rings, it is it is a life or death situation. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but not all stories are literally life and death. Right. You know, but you think about, um, you know, like Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. um, which I know I talk about all the time and you've never read. <laughs> or seen. <laughs> the one person in America Woo-hoo. who's never read it or seen it. You've never seen it either? No. You are so coming to my house and we're watching five hours. Five right after hours. Buffy. Right after Buffy, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, in Pride and Prejudice, it's not literally a life or death thing, you know, whether these girls get married. But it is really, really important to them because in that time, you know, a woman couldn't make her own way. Right. So your your entire life um, lifestyle, your quality of life depended upon how you marry. Mm. So, you know, it wasn't just about a love story, you know, but I mean, it was, but it's about like, you know, having love as well as having the security of, of the life that you want to live, you know, for women. So, I mean, I think that that, you know, that's really interesting. You get a lot of stories where, um, you know, the goal isn't literally life and death, but you've got, you know, that equivalent that, you know, if your character fails at this, that they're going to lose something seriously significant. And I think that that's kind of what that comes down to. Right. Okay. Well, I think we've beat goal to death. We're going to move on (laughs) to motivation. Right. (laughs) Now, motivation is where a lot of stories fall flat. If someone's going to risk their lives, their jobs, whatever, because what is a story without risk, then there Mm -hmm. needs to be proper motivation. Mm -hmm. So, um, we're just going to go through maybe some examples of good motivations that right. work mm-hmm. in Romancing mm-hmm. the Stone. Um, what's her name? Um, Elaine is the no. sister. Joan, Joan is the Joan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Joan knows Elaine's in trouble. Mm-hmm. 
and um, it, but it isn't until her sister's life is in danger that she goes to Columbia. Right. So she so goes in, because yeah. she, it's her sister, you know, I right. mean, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a very good motivation. I was like family exactly. type things. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Indiana Jones, he tries to get the artifacts because he can't stand the Nazis getting the artifacts because they don't mm-hmm. appreciate them. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, in Star Wars, Luke has lost everything he had and he wants to, he's actually got a couple of motivations. He wants to follow mm-hmm. in his father's footsteps. Mm-hmm. He wants to, because he discovers who his real father is and that his father mm-hmm. was a Jedi and all those things. Mm-hmm. And he wants that adventure and he, you know, right. and all of that. Mm-hmm. He wants to follow mm-hmm. in his father's footsteps. And finding Nemo, Nemo, uh, Nemo is all Marlon has and he's a father. I mean, right. it's so if, you're, his if your son. kid goes missing, oh yeah. I mean, if you bring kids into any story Anytime. and put the kid in danger, that is all the motivation you need for that character to exactly. do anything, right? You know, right. I mean, and the thing is, it's very difficult when you put a kid in danger. So be very careful about that because some yeah. people may not want to read about kids. Yeah, definitely don't hurt the kid mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you're writing some really, really dark stuff. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, if you put a kid in danger, that is instant motivation uh, for any yeah. parent. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. In Princess Bride, Wesley's motivation is true love. Right. And mm-hmm. I love that. And, that's and he a says strong why motivator. Yeah, it is. It mm-hmm. is. Yep. Mm-hmm. In in uh, X Men and Spider Man, it's it's fighting consummate evil because they have the responsibility and the ability to. Mm-hmm. You know, right, the, with great power comes great responsibility. Exactly, exactly. So, mm-hmm. And uh, in Lord of the Rings, uh, Frodo's motivation is to save the Shire. Mm-hmm, but also mm-hmm. because no one else can carry the ring besides him. Right. If he doesn't right. do it, Because he tries no to give it to yeah. Gandalf. Yeah. You know, early on. He tries right. to, he, he doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's down to him. Right. You know, and right. he's the one who has to do it. It's either that or the Shire, or they lose the Shire. Right. You know. Right. So he has to do it. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about goal motivation, mm-hmm. I think they most, they, they must both be equally strong. Right. You need mm-hmm. a strong goal and you need a strong motivation powering that goal. Right. Because if somebody's going to come up against obstacles, mm-hmm. at a certain point, you yeah. know, because basically your entire story is obstacle, 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 obstacle. And then right. these are all things that, that make your character grow. And so you, that's how your character grows and changes and life becomes different for this character. Mm-hmm. So if, if that character is not strongly motivated, if Frodo... You know, if it was like, well, you know, they're not going to have beer anymore in the Shire. <laughs> but he has you know, something like, to carry him through three exactly. movies. <laughs> like, if it's, just that the, if it's just that there's, you know, the, all beer will disappear from the land. He's like, well, you know, that would suck. That might get him to, like, the yeah. happy feet or whatever the bar was where they met Aragorn. Yeah. You know, but at a certain point, he's going to be like, you know what? Just Let's just bury the ring somewhere. Yeah, I let's think once he gets stabbed in the chest, yeah, he's like, I'm out of here. I don't need any more mead. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, like, you, you have to make sure. And that's that's the thing that it's, it's so important in a story that your motivation be something that your reader at a certain point is not going to be like, why are they still doing this? Yeah. Like, at every point during that whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, they have to believe. Like, if, if Marlin was just running through the jellyfish, you know, to yeah. go find anything aside from his son. 
Right. You know, it just would never, it would never work. You would never be along with that ride. But you're like, no, you have to save the Shire. <laughs> you know, I mean, you get that. You have to find Nemo. I must find you. Like, you know, you want your, your readers and your viewers to be that involved. Right. Right. You know, so that's, that's where the motivation, it's the mm-hmm. heart of your motivation. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, um, another thing is uh, goal of motivation must be true to the character. Mm-hmm. So they mu- must make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. For the character. Um, another thing is your reader becomes involved in the goal because of the motivation. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And the final thing is the motivation drives the goal as much as the goal drives the motivation. Right. Mm-hmm. They need to be that close. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> like for instance her motivation for drinking a stout uh, <laughs> is because I love the whiffers I wouldn't do right. it any other reason <laughs> because she loves the whiffers it's only whiffers yeah. that could get her to it's drink whiffer a stout. love right. <laughs> it's my motivation uh, well that was pretty good considering yeah. that we didn't know what we were going to do with this I think we'll do much better on conflict conflict yeah. I know yeah. I know conflict <laughs> Alrighty, well that wraps up another Rock and Sea Block, and we still need more wine. Lonnie has well. drink of wine, and <laughs> I can have more wine. I know what you're oh, having. <laughs> this stuff's getting really warm. Oh, <laughs> take one more sip for us. Oh God, just one more, right. just one more time. That's all I ask. I don't ask much. She's drinking it. Wait, let's hear it. Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> There it is. God. All right. All right. We'll be right back. (laughs) Emmy James is not the kind of girl who attracts angels. In fact, since she sent her life into a nosedive six years ago, she's tried to attract as little as possible attention, people, or responsibility. She lives alone in an Airstream trailer, going from job to job wherever the wind takes her. And that works just fine. Until one day, two unexpected visitors show up at the New Jersey trailer park she currently calls home. One is a childhood friend with news. EJ's mother and his father are getting married, and they want EJ at the ceremony. The other is a sweet but odd woman named Jess, who says she's an angel specializing in cosmic relationship mending. And blueberry pancakes. A Little Ray of Sunshine by Lonnie Diane Rich is a story about lost love, found angels, and the power of blueberry pancakes to fix almost anything, including the mother-daughter relationship that no one thought could ever be mended. A Little Ray of Sunshine is available now, wherever books are sold. Get your copy today. Thanks for coming back. I'm Samantha Graves. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And this is Wheel Ride for Wine. <laughs> Woohoo! Or beer. Ugh, tonight. <laughs> I know you guys need to listen. I'm talking blah, 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 blah. And she's like, blah, in the background. So every, time, every time you hear her say, like, you know, drink. Yes. <laughs> yes, keep me company. All right. Jeez. Oh, hey, want to win some great prizes for you or your dog or large cat? <laughs>
because you know a Will Ray for Wine t-shirt would look great on your underage child. And if you want one, just I give us some send feedback. Let's send them to school with Will Ray for Wine. You know the nurse will be calling me. I changed your shirt because that was inappropriate. <laughs> I think we have the same nurse. I think we do. Oh, God. We are looking for questions, <laughs> wine suggestions, or just general commentary on the show. Each month, all eligible entries will go into a wine bucket. I don't know why everything is amusing me so much tonight. I'm so sorry. It's been two weeks. There's nothing That's more why. annoying than listening to somebody just giggle all night. <laughs> I can't stop. At the end of the month, we'll pull a name out of the bucket to win a fabulous prize. Yes. Speaking of which, we have an official Will Raid for Wine coaster and an ARC for Out of Time by Samantha Graves for Melissa DK. Yay. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yep. For April, we uh, will have a Will Raid for Wine journal, Mm -hmm. an official journal, and a pair of Lottie's Magic Creativity Socks knitted just for you. Yes. Which means they'll be delayed. (laughs) But they'll be your size and whatever color I have in my stash that is closest to your favorite color. So quit your whining. <laughs> be sure to get active on the forums right now or send us an email at feedback at willwriteforwine.com or comment on our website or participate in the for- Oh, I already said participate in the forums. I need to fix this script. Or come in and fix my script and you'll be in. Post a question in the new question section on the forums. Really, there's a million ways to win. That's right. I need to edit that for next week. <laughs> we will announce the winner on our first May show. So send in your comments and suggestions now. All right. Up next, we have the... I went for slightly more dramatic this week. How was that? Well, I went for the, for the speed version. And you went... It wasn't good. Just seeing so you know, yeah. it. just was so, not good. Yeah, no, it wasn't. That was, that was probably our worst. Okay. It very well could have been. <sighs> mm-hmm. Of course, it's all relative. So how'd you do this week, Lonnie? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I didn't do much. Mostly I knitted and thought about the new book. And mm-hmm. But I wrote two scenes for the revision of Dogs and Goddesses. Oh, good. So all in all, you know, not a terribly unproductive week. That's good. That's Got good. Got a lot of laundry done. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Yay me! <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I edited all my chapters and sent them to my critiquers, and now I'm going to gut my chapters and start over again <laughs> because I didn't plot. So, And don't piss me off. I'm drinking stout. Okay, so, can you drink yeah. another sip? <laughs> I just want to oh, hear it. God. Go. <laughs> 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 Sorry, it's that's like just mean, thick. isn't it? Have you ever scraped anything off the bottom of your gas tank? Well, here That's it is. It. And there's no fizz. It doesn't taste like uh, beer. It tastes like... It doesn't taste like beer, huh? No. It tastes like mm. a, 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 just like a mug of, of coffee with no sugar in it that's been sitting in, in, in your car for, for a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it tastes like that. That well, good. That good. <laughs> that sounds really good. Why don't uh-huh. you have another sip? <laughs> Because every time you do, you make that sound. It just amuses me so much. I can't because the bitterness still hasn't gone away from the last sip. All right. Well, now it's time for Killer Word. (laughs) We decided 
it and instead of random, et cetera, we just make it easy on ourselves and do killer word every week, which is what I said last week, so they already know. Mm-hmm. I need to change the script. All right, so play along. Amaze your friends. Sam, what do you have for me? <laughs> I got nothing because I can't get the internet to come up. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> you go you first. You mean you didn't have this done all ahead of time? I, of course, have it bookmarked. But oh, my internet I is see. slow. Okay, yeah, I got see, it. Yeah, I copy-paste it into the script oh, after no. you give it back to me for the last time. Okay, you want me to go first? No, I'm ready. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, now you're ready. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> okay. Corpulent. Corpulent. Oh, I knew this. I know this. <laughs> Spell C-O-R-P-U-L-E-N-T, it. C-O-R-P-U-L-E-N-T. Okay. Baby. And it means really, really, really fat. It means stout. Oh, <laughs> We're going with a theme tonight. I... <laughs> she like that? You know, you know what's so funny, too, is that there are times in the podcast, and I'm sure all those of you listening have noticed it and probably hate it, where we're both laughing so hard that we go really, really high pitch and you almost can't hear it. So it's like this big block of silence where everybody's dogs just come in going, what, 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 what? me a long time to find that word there's not <laughs> it's a lot a of words word. that mean stout it's so. a good word it's the only word and killer word ever that i've actually known yay <laughs> yay <laughs> all right are you ready for mine oh god hit me <laughs> arf arf and arf <laughs> no <laughs> arf arf and arf Oh, jeez. <laughs> Where the hell? Okay, A-R-F, A-R-F, I-N-A-R-F. Oh, so close! <laughs> <laughs> so what's it mean? Well, obviously. <laughs> obviously. It's, it's, it's dog top for, uh, dog top talk for, I want a Will Wright for Wine t-shirt. Right <laughs> exactly correct how did you know (laughs) it's a blundering drunk commonly found in college towns (laughs) no (laughs) okay now i have to admit i got this word from a friend of mine whiffer stacy oh (laughs) who gave it to me wait a minute she gave it to you she didn't give me one I know, no, I've oh. got a special, I've got a, I've got a person working on the okay. side for me. Okay. I, look, I didn't go looking, she offered. So anyway, she gave me this word, and then I looked it up, and it's in, like, the Urban Dictionary, but it's not, like, technically in Merriam-Webster, so it's sort uh-huh. of cheating. But it was just such a cool freaking word, <laughs> I had to use it. How do you spell it? A-R-F, A-R-F. A-N-A-R-F. So you were oh, so close. Man. All right. You were, like, this close. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Let me drink. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> not get better. It just All right, I think get it's time better. for a refill, for me at least. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Well, the show's almost over, and I'm sure you're really sad about that. But now you don't have to wait another week to hear from Sam and Lonnie because we've got websites open 24-7 and ready when you are, morning, noon, or night. For Lonnie, be sure to stop by the newly redesigned LonnieDianeRich.com where Lonnie's latest books and news will be regularly updated. Right, Lonnie? 
Also, don't forget to drop by dogsandgoddesses.com, where Lonnie is collaborating live on the web with New York Times bestsellers Jennifer Cruzy and Ann Stewart. It's like a reality show with writers, which is really much more interesting than it sounds. So check it out. For more information on Sam, click your way on over to samanthagraves.com for her latest news and giveaways. I think she's better about updating. Yeah, that's right. There are also links to her blog her MySpace page, and the website for her alter ego, C.J. Barry, author of award-winning futuristic romances. And don't forget to stop by at willwriteforwine.com for links to our joint MySpace page, our cafe press store, and all the cool things we talk about during the show. By the time you're done with all that, we'll be back in a new podcast next week. Everybody plays and everybody wins. Well, it's time for Last Call here on Will Write for Wine. Thanks for hanging out with us. Keep sending in those wine suggestions to us at feedback at willwriteforwine.com or post them in the forum. Send good wine suggestions to Sam. Me, please, wine. Just (laughs) wine. No beer. (laughs) Send cheap wine suggestions to me. Lonnie. And if you're half as confused about writing as we are, you need someone to ask, so ask us. Send in those questions to feedback at willwriteforwine.com or visit the forums at willwriteforwine.com slash forum. There's a specific, special, special, special. it would be special, <laughs> topic there just I for questions. I think the is going mm. to your head, honey. I don't know. It's going somewhere. but Just ugh. drink one more time just for me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> like torture <laughs> and i'm so okay. amused by it what kind of friend am i, I? yeah nice friend oh drink some more <laughs> it's so funny like, i'm sorry i'm just giggling well i'm just kind of thinking maybe someday i could like actually get used to it but there is just no way no, just it not is happening. not gonna happen right yeah. okay <laughs> right. okay plus you never know we might have the answer and if question. not, we'll make something up. Yeah. <laughs> That's your question. That's the topic we were on. <laughs> Next week's show is the second of a two-part series on goal, motivation, and conflict. Mm-hmm. So our next show will be on conflict. Unfortunately, Lonnie and I have a conflict, and we will be in New York City <laughs> next Friday. Yes. So the conflict will occur on the 18th. And does that just sound as weird as I thought it sounded? <laughs> You know, conflict occurs all the time. We'll eventually be talking about it on the 18th. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So until next time, this is Lonnie. And this is Sam saying if you can't write for money, then drink a damn stout. (laughs) Oh, excuse me, I burp. (laughs) (laughs) Then write for wine, baby. Bye. Bye. Will Ride for Wine is brought to you each week by Lonnie Diane Rich and Samantha Graves. Be sure to hit the website at willwriteforwine.com where you can find great links to everything in the show, news about what the girls are up to, and links to great cafe press merchandise like t-shirts, hats, and mugs. I like the apron myself. Also, don't forget to friend them on MySpace at myspace.com slash willwriteforwine. Music provided by the good folks at the Podsafe Music Network, music.com podshow.com 
And if you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends. And go vote for Lonnie and Sam at Podcast Alley or write a glowing review at iTunes. Remember, there's good karma out there. Vote for them at Podcast Alley. Come back next time as Johnny Depp's soulmate. Or perhaps Colin first. Mmm. Ring any bells? Or, you know, the, the soulmate, whoever does it for you. You get the point. Anyway, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time right here on Will Write for Wine. So when I get up, I just have one cup of coffee and I like to have another cup of coffee with my breakfast. And on the way to work, I like